Welcome to the Bleeding Cincy Red podcast, hosted by your favorite diehard Reds fans, Robert Lee Brewer, Chris Fries, and me, Brian A. Clems. After a COVID hiatus, we're back and better than ever, although it's hard to say the same about our Red Legs. I know management has been super frustrating, from trading away some of our favorite players like Winker, Gray, and Suarez, to making misguided comments toward fans. There are, believe it or not, some reasons for optimism with this ball club, and we're going to talk about them in this episode. We're going to cover the Reds starting on the road for only the third time in team history, and what those other years look like, as well as how the Reds have fared in the past during the opening month of the season. We're also going to make our bold predictions for 2022. See which ones you agree with, and see which ones you think are maybe a bit too bold. I'm looking at you, Robert. And finally, Chris delivers some res trivia where you can play along at home with us and see how many you get correct. This may be my favorite part of the show today. As always, we are not affiliated with the Reds or Major League Baseball. Like you, we're just lifelong Reds fans who bleed Cincy Red. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter, at Bleeding Cincy Red without a G, as we continue the conversation there. And now, without further ado, here's that favorite intro music you've missed. Go Reds! Pretty good. Long time, long time since we've all talked. Yeah, it's been what, like one, two, or more years. I don't know. It's been a while since we've done a Bleeding Cincy Reds uh, podcast, but uh, the time feels right. And uh, Chris, you've been a uh, guest on the podcast, and and now. You're a permanent uh, member. Yeah, it's exciting to be here. We got our uh, time aligned to our resources to do the podcast. And yeah, excited to be here with you guys. Yeah, and excited about this amazing beginning to the season. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I don't I, I don't know about you guys. I believe, Chris, you were at opening day, too. And uh, it's always exciting. Best best holiday of the year here in Cincinnati. Love it. Um, and, you, you know, admittedly, Mr. Phil Castellini, aside from Jose Ramirez's uh, Grand Slam, uh, Phil Castellini uh, did his part to uh, try to bring down the uh the excitement for the day which was kind of unfortunate uh with his comments uh and i i assume listeners at home have heard it at this point uh where he talked about you know uh the the fans and what else are you going to do you know when asked the question about uh you know should you sell the team you know are you not putting enough resources in he came out and you know i don't have his direct quotes uh but but to the effect of you know what else are you going to do as fans and uh you know be careful what you wish for because we can move the team or someone else can move the team something like that if somebody else bought the team and uh you know that kind of (laughs) at least in my opinion not not a good look uh for an owner ever to say let alone on opening day um, so I don't know if any of you have brief thoughts on that before we dive into other things. Yeah, I, you know, to just insult the fans on opening day, like, you know, our, our, our city's holiday, it's just rough. And I think there, there's probably, I, I understand what he was trying to say, but there's a better way to go about it. And I, I like that how C Trent kind of said in his, his athletic article about that. He said the quiet part out loud. Um, you know, I, I don't think he's wrong in, in, in asking for patience, but when you keep asking for patience year after year, you're kind of implying a level of incompetence with the way you're running the organization in the first place. And I, I guess that's one of the things I, like, I just don't know what, what's the plan going on. 
for for the team. You know, once uh, Kyle Body and and Dick Williams were gone, that that stunk. Like that was one of the hardest things to see. Um, and then I just you know, not necessarily related to Phil Castellini, but the juxtaposition on opening day of definitely the loudest roar in the crowd was for Joe Burrow and the Bengals. You know, I'm a Bengals fan, but still kind of hard to to stomach on opening day that 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 is where the you know the the fans minds are that who knew mike brown was going to be the best owner in this town <laughs> right <laughs> that, that's that's uh one of the big plot twists that no one saw coming is that mike brown would suddenly be the, the great owner of cincinnati uh professional sports and yeah like totally uh totally get that yeah i I read the quote uh, recently, and uh, the part that's always excerpted, of course, sounds horrible. He did uh, continue on with uh, stuff that sounded great, but then it was like, man, if why did you include that opening part of the answer telling people where, where are they going right. to go? Because uh, it's uh, like, especially in this age, like it's been like 20 years now, like people should know to avoid certain sound bites uh, when they're giving answers, uh, even even if they're uh, thinking of it a certain way, uh, because uh, it's especially on opening day, such a, a bad a bad way to, to answer. And then and then when the team follows it up and uh, gets blasted by the guardians, uh, which I'm still getting used to that name, but uh, getting blasted <laughs> by them two days in a row, it's just just almost it, it does uh, leave a really bad taste in your mouth. Uh, even though I was feeling really good after the their Atlanta series, and then they come to Cincinnati, and it's like oh, and then they're headed off to the the West Coast, which is traditionally a horrible. Or, or I should say, a very challenging time for uh, <laughs> Red challenging for fans to stay awake and watch it as well. Um, right. Yeah, I, uh, I, I was kind of feeling the same way on all fronts. It's funny because I don't think that the uh, Castellinis, I, I think that the Castellinis are well-meaning people. Like I really do. They do a lot around the city. I, I will give them that. Um, I know it's easy to be mad at them. And I'm actually frustrated with them uh, because, you know, as Chris has mentioned before, it seems like for a small market organization, you have to have a plan and you have to really stick with that plan. And it seems like under their tenure, we just jump around from plan to plan and this complain about them not spending you know there's some truth but then but then you can back it up and say well at times they have spent money it's just tough when you know you asked us to be patient post the johnny cueto you know years and uh through that rebuild 90 some lost seasons and then uh you know finally 2000 comes around the investment is there we're excited pick up Nick Castellanos, you know, making moves, Wade Miley, Moose, all that kind of jazz. And, uh, you know, our window is one year, one year. And I know COVID affected that, but at the same time, one year is bad. And when you let people like Iglesias just walk away from nothing and, uh, and uh, uh, Archie, oh, I'm drawing a blank on Bradley. his name. Archie Bradley. Yeah, Archie Bradley walk away for nothing and see the kind of seasons they had and knowing that our bullpen was like the killer over the last year, then that that right there and you let him walk away because it's a cost cutting measure. And that's that's the thing where I think fans don't have patience. I don't have patience anymore. You know, I, I want to have a winning team. I don't mind sitting around. You know, I don't like sitting around for four years uh, during a rebuild, but like. You know, I want to enjoy the fruits of it. And it seems like we have some young people, which we'll talk about here in a little bit, I'm sure. But, um, you know, it seems like we have some young guys with great promise and it just stinks that we're talking about the wrong things at this moment. Um, you know, because I want them to be, ex you know, I want to be excited about Hunter Green. I want to be excited about Nick Lodolo. Um, when Barrero comes back up, I, I think that's when he's healthy, I think it's going to be exciting. And, uh, and I'm expecting 
a healthy year from Nick Senzel, which I will talk about later. But before we dive into that, uh, I want to hear your thoughts. This is uh, the first time uh, in a quite some time since 1990 that the Reds have opened the season on the road. And if I'm not mistaken, it's only happened three times in history. And uh, and, and so I was just curious uh, your thoughts on, uh, you know, how strange it was that the Reds weren't here in Cincinnati for the first day of the baseball season. Uh, yeah, it's just, as somebody who's been gone, had been going to the last 12 or 13 opening days and kind of got used to it at the end of March, uh, cold and rainy or snow. Um, it was weird to go in, in mid April and have it 70 degree weather and be beautiful. And, um, that was strange and it was even weirder than to, uh, you know, four or five days before that to be watching them on ESPN uh, seeing them open up against Atlanta, the world champs, uh, who they visited on the road in 1990. Uh, I think that was their second series of the year uh, after they opened in Houston. Um, just odd. I, there's no other another way to describe it. Like I, I feel like we shouldn't be watching the Reds on the road. We should be watching them at home. And I was hoping after that opening opening win in Atlanta, where they looked so good, pretty much on all fronts, kind of kind of felt like. 1995 is where they started nine and zero and and got on a roll and um, you know historically in the last uh, you know 10 15 years for the Reds especially when Dusty Baker here the the April starts haven't meant a whole lot I think the the three times they made the playoffs they kind of got off the weak starts in April and then really got rolling once it got warm out and got into the summer um, but you can see with that 1990 team the way they started you know they only finished 91 and 71 they built kind of half of that that record over 500 in, in April and then just cruise the rest of the season so it's just so key to start off the season um, with a with a strong start um, but if you don't you can still still make up some ground as Dusty proved over the years yeah definitely and yeah I think the 1990 season uh, I believe like the last hundred games they're like 500 played 500 ball so they really did uh, coast and you would almost think that uh, they wouldn't do as well in the playoffs uh, being a 500 team for that long but uh, as they they showed they, they really took off uh, baseball is such a maddeningly fun game to follow because of the streaks that uh, can happen and, and the way that things can change uh, on a dime but uh, I, I guess like that that's uh, some good uh comfort food for for thought uh, chris about uh, some of our rough starts uh, eventually uh leading to the playoffs uh i feel like this roster is a very intriguing roster as like i don't feel like it's as bad as some people want to say it is like i feel like there's potential there but but anytime you're talking potential it can be fulfilled potential or it can be unrealized potential. And hopefully we're going to see a little, at least a little bit of both and hopefully more of the realized potential as we go along. Though Ladillo's uh, start uh, left a little to be desired despite his great spring training. <laughs> so. <laughs> that was true that was that was a little rough but he looked nervous like I think he'll shake that out like I, I'm not really worried about him and I always give uh rookie pitchers you know uh definitely cut him some slack on on their uh first few outings uh I don't I don't think that will be a the end will be a problem uh I like the optimism here one of the things you said Robert that sticks with me all the time is like you know there's a lot to be potentially excited about um but you know what's tough for the year long haul is that in order for this this to work out and to beat expectations you just need so many things to go right and i know you can say that about about every team but you know when when you have more established players throughout your roster uh, those teams can withstand, you know, one person not having a typical year kind of a thing. You know, last year, the Brewers still did well, even though Christian Yelich was was awful. And I should know because I drafted him like first in my fantasy team and he was terrible. <laughs> and I'm so mad at that guy. You know, now now I extra dislike him because he's on the Brewers, uh, but also because he ru tried to ruin my fantasy season. But uh, but, you know, I, I am kind of hopeful. I, I'm curious to see what some of these new guys will do 
He's at Drury. Uh, you know, looking forward to him. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm very curious how it all shakes out. And I'm curious if this team will be more like the Dusty Baker years, uh, you know, where they start out kind of slow and then progressively get a little bit better. Uh, will they be, you know, you know, it's not really starting out like 1990 where they started out nine and zero, and, and through April had a 13 and three record, you know, and through one official month, they were 18 and six. And it's like, how cool would that be? You know, we're not used to that around here anymore. It seems like it's been since, Hey, I don't think since 1990, we we've had such a great start to the season, to be quite honest. Um, hopefully we are not like the other time they started on the road in 1966. I looked this up and I saw that they, uh, you know, through April, their record was four and 10, kind of a rough start. And if you look at the one full month, because they didn't start till April 14th. And the reason they started on the road, uh, I was reading about this because I wasn't around back then, was because the first series completely got rained out here in Cincinnati. So they opened in Philadelphia. And uh, through one full month, the record was 12 and 15, which, you know, is not great. But I think with this young roster, if we walked away of a full month being that that hovering around 500, I, I think most of us would take it for now, um, especially with the young pitchers, uh, the young starters, letting them uh, get get some experience, get get uh, you know get used to major league hitting because it is different than minor league hitting. Clearly, um, hopefully, hopefully, when I typed in you know Cincinnati Reds April. <laughs> Hopefully we don't follow the headlines that had come up because the headlines I saw just on a quick Google was, it, it, you know, the, the first one that came up was, it's just April, but 2018 is already a lost season for the Reds. And I was like, oh God, hopefully we don't have that again. And then the next one that came up was, was this the worst pitching April in Reds history from 2016? So I'm desperately hopeful that those aren't omens to the 2022 April. Um, and I'm, I'm hopeful. I, I, I will forever remain hopeful. Even if I'm critical, uh, I'll forever remain hopeful. Uh, so quick, quick prediction though, uh, before, before we take a break, quick prediction on this. And I'll, I'll start with Robert. When April is all said and done, how many games above or below 500 do you think the Reds will be? Okay. This is always hard because there's the part that I want to say, which is always uh, <laughs> undefeated, but uh, <laughs> but then there's there's the reality check. I'm hopeful that they can be that three games under 500, and if that's the case, like I'll I'll be excited because this is a gauntlet that they're going to be going through for the rest of the month. Yeah, I completely agree with that. The number that was in my head was was four under five hundred, um, and I would feel really good about that going out west and opening on the road. And like we looked at historically, they never play well in April. Yeah, I mean playing the the Dodgers four times, the Padres six times. Uh, those are ten really really tough games. Uh, they go three and seven. And then can find a way to to maybe take two or three from the Cardinals, and then and then play well against the Rockies. End up like four under under five hundred. I'd be really really excited about that. Um, you know, it's not like then the NL Central doesn't look like it's some sort sort of a powerhouse to me. So if you're within striking distance at the end of April and you've already cleared out that West Coast road trip, you might be in pretty good shape. Yeah, you're both incredibly wrong. We're going to be two games over 500 because we're sweeping at least two series. And so uh, we're going to have a little surprise run here, especially against one of the either the Dodgers or the Padres. I'm not sure which one. I haven't decided yet, but one of them we are. Anyway, with that, we're going to take a quick break, uh, and then we're going to come back with our uh, 2022 bold predictions for the season. Today's episode is sponsored by the book, Oh Boy, You're Having a Girl, a dad's survival guide to raising daughters. This humorous parenting guide makes for an excellent gift for dads and moms who either have daughters or are having a daughter. It shares tactics on surviving this glittery world of raising daughters, as well as how to import, impart your sports wisdom and fandom into dance recitals. Plus, it was written by a huge Cincinnati Reds fan, me, which is evident from the part of the book where I want to name my daughter Peter Edward Rose Clems but my wife vetoed it. I know, I'm sure she regrets that veto now. Anyway, check out the book that the Chicago Tribune called Laugh Out Loud Funny. You can purchase Oh Boy, You're Having a Girl at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Joseph Beth, and anywhere else books are sold. And now back to the show. And we're back. 
I uh, hope everybody uh, got a nice drink while you listen to a message from our sponsor. And uh, and now one of the things that we, we've been doing the past few years that we've done the Bleeding Cincy Red podcast was uh, take bold predictions for the season. And uh, this is something that I love to do. I love looking at it uh, from a different uh, lens because we're often very skeptical. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm eternally hopeful. I just always am. That's just my personality. I think uh, Chris and Robert are similar on those fronts. And at the same time, there's this realistic lens that always hits you. Um, so, so you kind of, you know, dive into like, oh, I'm not sure if Moose is going to do this or, you know, he's a couple years older, that kind of thing. A- anyway, this is not a time for that, though. This is a time to look at the players, look at the team, look at the season and make your bold predictions for something exciting to happen. And, uh, and we've all come up with our own list of five five bold predictions and what we're going to do here is i'm gonna we're each going to take a turn to go through our five and uh the other two of us are, are going to sit here and give a percentage of how likely we think that that is going to happen so if, if somebody here makes a bold prediction that um Mike Moustakis is going to hit 80 home runs on the year. And then uh, say, say that that sounds like Robert's prediction, not mine. That sounds like Robert's prediction. <laughs> but if he makes that prediction, then Chris and I will chime in and say, you know, hey, I think uh, there's a 20% chance that that happens uh, or or a 90% chance that that happens. And, uh, and, and we'll discuss these bold predictions and move forward with that. And so uh, anyway, with that, uh, Robert, Chris. Do one of you want to volunteer to go first? I'll do it. Uh, and I will start off with the bold prediction that I think is the most likely to happen. And and these are bold predictions. So it's actually uh, the Reds winning the World Series. Uh, and this is based off of my unbridled optimism, but also the fact that the Reds have won the World Series the last two times that there was a lockout to start the season, both 1990 and 1976. So uh, not only is there my unbridled optimism that always puts them in winning the World Series, but this time I've got the baseball gods on my side in uh, historical context. All right. So we've got a World Series prediction. Chris, uh, what percentage chance do you give that to happen? Uh, 10% chance, and that's only if they make a bunch of trades at the deadline to help fortify that <laughs> roster. <laughs> I go 98% chance. Robert, I'm with you. This is happening. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that one's the one that probably is going to have the highest percentage chance, honestly, <laughs> uh, based off of what I've seen so far. Uh, next one uh, that I feel most like are uh, confident about is Joey Votto wins MVP at 39 years old. Uh, I'll go first on this one. Uh, Vada really did have a resurgence last year, didn't he? And uh, I'm I'm very excited to see what he puts up in this season as well. I think he's continuing to build his Hall of Fame credentials. I know that I know there's some debate. And you can look at the numbers, and you're like, "Hey, similar to Todd Helton, this kind of stuff." Uh, I think if he remains healthy, uh, he makes a great push uh, for some excellent numbers, especially the power numbers. Um, still continues to get on base at a decent clip. I think that your prediction, I, I'm going to give it about uh, 25% chance only because health is always a, a concern for me when they, they start to get a little bit older. Yeah, I, I love the prediction, Robert. Uh, Joey shows up in my bold predictions in a little bit later. Um, I, I'm going to go 50% just because I, I, I love what we saw last year. Uh, the the change in his approach and the batting stance, standing more upright. And I, I noticed a little bit on, on opening day, it looked like he was standing a little further back in the box a couple times, trying to wait out some of the movement on those pitches. He's just, he's such a, a smart hitter. And you really saw the changes last year. I, I think it's it's going to be another monster season for Votto. Uh, there, he's driven now, I think, at this point to, to get to the Hall of Fame. Um, and a second MVP award, especially at his age now, I think would lock it up. Yeah, and I've got to say, like, he's starting off on the right foot uh, PR-wise with that epic 10-minute-plus uh, interview, mic'd up interview while he's playing first base uh, in the Braves uh, series. Yeah, uh, I don't know if both of you uh, caught that, but that, that was uh, 
very uh, entertaining and instructional, uh, to say the least. Um, yeah, loved it. Loved it. Okay, so uh, next up, I've got uh, Tyler Malley winning the Cy Young. Uh, I will put that at like 20, 25%. I think Malley's going to have another huge season. He's going to strike out more than 200 batters, but the National League is loaded with pitchers. Um, I, I It's just, it's, it's going to be difficult for me to see him doing, hitting that number uh, and, and getting probably going to need like 15, 16 wins unless he has a Jacob deGrom type season where his ERA is just under two and he's got 300 strikeouts and it's going to be hard to get there when he's only throwing four innings sometimes. And, you know, who knows that he was dangled out to the Mets in the off season. They may not finish as a red either. Yeah. The, the thing that, that strikes me, like I I've always been big on him. I actually went to his uh, debut several years ago. That was real exciting. It was, I believe it was a day game and, and he was like lights out in that game. Uh, so I've always been kind of, extra high on him uh his rub of course as chris pointed out was that he doesn't pitch long into games uh that which you know not a lot of pitchers do anymore um so i don't know in the voting how that much that will hurt him i think it will if he doesn't log enough innings in general uh but i still like him i still think he's going to have a, a spectacular season with people like Degrom getting hurt the other thing that could actually work in his favor if he can stay healthy because in the shortened season uh shortened spring training uh, you're seeing a lot of arms having problems uh that could play to his benefit if he's been keeping up throughout the off season so i'm i'm going a little higher than chris i'm gonna go uh 32 2.5% uh, chance of happening. Uh, so I, I, I think that that's uh, not not completely unrealistic. But uh, yeah, if he can pitch a little later into games and stay healthy, uh, that'll be his best bet. And and to be fair, Robert didn't say he would win it with the Reds. So he could still win <laughs> when he's <laughs> traded to the Mets. Uh, <laughs> and it we'd count it. I'd count it at least. Yeah, well, yeah, he, he definitely can throw the, the strikeouts. And the beginning of the season, it seems like every run that's scored on him is an unearned run. <laughs> so, so maybe he'll he'll have that super low uh, ERA just based off a bad feeling, but uh, <laughs> that's um, the spirit. <laughs> uh, okay. So uh, next up, I felt soup. This was like the one I was super confident about headed into the season. And then uh, he made his first start, uh, but Nick Lodolo winning rookie of the year. Uh, I'll go first on this one. Uh, you know, I, I think he can throw out the first start. I'm not too worried about that. As the season rolls on, I think he's going to be completely fine. Um, I'm, I'm going low on this one at 10%, mainly because I think that's when Castillo comes back and Mike Miner comes back. I think he's one of the guys who's going to get sent down. Uh, I think it's just going to be a numbers thing for the time being. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's going to come back up uh you know later in, in probably not too long uh I, I don't know how long sam martin's gonna stay in the rotation uh i'm guessing the reds even send him down send lodolo down they may even send green down just for enough time uh to save them and get that extra year of eligibility by uh, not giving them enough service time i'm not 100 sure on that uh, the reds are not someone who's afraid to not do it but i think he's gonna get set down so i'm going 10 percent on that I'll go 50% because it's either him or Hunter Green winning the award. So it's a, it's a coin flip. And and I actually, you know, he was obviously very nervous uh, in his first start. Uh, but I saw some interesting stuff. Uh, somebody on Twitter, uh, Bryce Spalding, uh, pointed out that he gave up, let's see, a 68.8 mile an hour single, a 66.2 mile an hour single, a 50.4 mile an hour single, and an 82 mile an hour single. So kind of a little balls have found some holes. Um, he had three walks and two hip, two hip batsmen. Uh, he only walked 11 guys in 70 innings last year. So you know, I'm not sure, you know, the strike zone is different up here a little bit, but I'm not sure we're going to see that many walks out of him, you know, many other times this year. And then the, the one, one of those home runs only had a, uh, 180 expected batting average on it. Um, so I think a little bit of bad luck for low Dolo and, uh, not to mention that he was obviously had some jitters, you know, trying to follow up Hunter Green's performance from a, a couple of days before that. But you know, I think 50%, you know, they've, they've got a good foundation with those two guys. 
and uh, one of them's going to do it. And he, before yeah. Robert dives back in, uh, I will point out, I was watching that game and watching it pitch for pitch, and Lodolo's pitches looked good. He was staying low in the strike zone. And so that's why I think there were some weak hits. Uh, it does seem like there was some luck on the side of the hitters today. But if he can continue to just drill the lower par- portion of that strike zone, I think he's going to be just fine. Yeah, and, and for the record, like I, I feel very bullish on uh, Lodolo like for his uh, career. Uh, I was just hoping he would come uh, blazing out and uh, force the conversation about who gets sent down when Castillo comes back uh, to not be him. <laughs> so, so that doesn't look like it will be the case now. But, uh, but yeah. Uh, and then my final prediction, and this one is super wild. Uh, I, I admit it, but uh, uh, Sensel, India, and Fraley all join the 2020 club. Uh, just because there's three players in that, I'll, I'll go 15%, uh, cause it, it's a lot, it's a lot of guys that got to hit that number, but you know, you got three guys there who all have power and speed, um, three intriguing guys for the lineup, a lot more, a lot more athleticism in the red lineup this year, a little less power, uh, but they might be able to push the, the envelope a little bit on the, the base pass. And, you know, you're, you're a great American, anyone, anyone's going to be a threat at the plate. So. Uh, 20%. Yeah, and I'm going to go higher with you, Robert. On this one, I'm going 75%. It's kind of what Chris said with uh, Great American Ballpark or Great American Small Park. Uh, I think anybody has a chance to hit 20 home runs there. Um, I think all of them will probably reach that threshold. And the reason I'm going high is because David Bell, of course, came out and said, this year we're running. We haven't run in the past. We're one of those teams that never run. He's like, but this year we've got some speed. We're going to run. I think he's going to you know, do that as the season goes on. Whether we're in the hunt, whether we're out of the hunt, I think he's going to do it so it can be a learning experience for everyone as well. So I'm going high on this. I like that prediction. Awesome. Yeah, and I've got to say, like, if that one comes true, that will be like one of my you know, the World Series, of course, be the, the best. But uh, seeing the speed power combination like that's what i grew up as a kid loving uh players that did that so so i would my my young baseball fan self would just be elated if that actually happened uh okay so i guess uh chris you want to hit us with your uh old predictions yeah sure uh I, these are in no particular order just whatever i wrote them down in so nothing that like i'm most confident in this first one or anything uh, number one, Nick Senzel plays 130 games and hits 315. Okay, I'll take it first, and I'm going to go with that because for him to get to 2020, he needs to stay healthy. And, uh, I mean, a person can only get injured so many times, right? <laughs> <laughs> I agree, and uh, it actually goes in with one of my bold predictions. So I'm giving this 100%, uh, 100%, only because it, it falls in line with one of my predictions, and I can't go against one of my predictions. Um, although Senzel made us nervous on opening day, uh, sliding into Tommy Pham, I, I, I thought this the bold predictions about his playing time uh, were out the window, out the window by the, you know, seventh inning or sixth inning, whatever it was. Uh, so I, I'm going, I'm going hundred percent, Chris, this is happening. Nice. Uh, happy with the guys. That's uh, he has a good at bat almost every time he's up there. So you just feel like it's going to happen. If he can stay healthy, he's going to hit. Um, number two, Votto leads the national league in homers with 45. Uh, I'll take this one first. Uh, Bono has definitely put on a streak for hitting homers lately. Uh, last year was kind of a lot. It was not kind of, it was a lot of fun to watch. Um, I believe if he hadn't been hurt, he would have been on pace to, to hit around that. Um, but this year, I think, I think he's going to get pitched around just a little bit more, uh, because of the lineup until somebody else proves himself, uh, out there. So because of that, I'm going to go low on this one. I, I think, I don't think it's impossible. I just think it's a little more improbable. So I'm going to go about 12% for that one. Okay. I'm going to go high on this one. I'm going to say 70%. And, uh, I totally get Brian's point about them pitching around him, but I, I feel like this lineup's going to perform better than some people expect. And as much as Bell sometimes uh, frustrates me with some of his uh, decisions that he makes, I I think that uh, overall he does make some good 
good matchup uh, calls for batters. I think that's part of the reason they felt comfortable trading Winker and bringing in Fraley. Um, and I think that's going to benefit Votto. And with him in the fourth spot and uh, listening to uh, his very dedicated approach to changing his swing and why he's changing his swing uh, during that epic 10 minute uh, long mic'd up uh, interview already this season. Like uh, I see no reason why he can't uh, try to challenge for that. So, so yeah, so I'll give it 70% and, uh, and it will help me win that. Uh, well, it'll Bado and me win the bold prediction that he will be MVP uh, this year. Very nice. Uh, so that was the, the reason I totally agree that he's going to win the MVP. I got him hitting all those home runs. Although strangely that and your conversation about Bell and matchups leads into the number three. I'm not sure how with Votto hitting many home runs, maybe he's going to walk less. Um, but I think Jake Fraley playing the matchups against right-handed pitchers is going to lead the team in on-base percentage at around 380. Yeah, I, I love uh, this prediction. I, I, I'll give it uh, 25%, not because of Braley's ability, but because of I think there are some some great underrated bats in there. If Senzel stays healthy, what he might be able to do, what India might be able to do, uh, what Bado might be able to do. Uh, so so it, I think it's going to be more competitive than, than people realize, but also Fraley has that great history of uh, getting on base. So uh, I'll give it 25%. Actually, I agree with Robert on this one with the 25%, and it's strictly for the same reasons he's saying. Uh, I think there are several players that I think India may, may inch out ahead of him um, and uh, a couple others if Senzel stays healthy. You know, he may have a shot at some point. I just expect Senzel to produce. He was such a great college player. Um, you know, he was looking good in the minors. It seems like at some point, if he can just stay healthy, he's about to bust out. And so because of that, I, I think Bradley, I, I think he's uh, I think he's going to have a, a pretty good season, especially as he plays the matchups like you, you both said. But uh, but but I think he's going to have competition in the lineup for that. And that's 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 where I'm going to hang out at 25 percent, though. I'd love to see it happen. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I know, Robert, you and I talked about that we, we kind of wanted to bold protect that Fraley would outperform Winker uh, this season, but it would be kind of hard to quantify that. But I, I somehow, maybe it's just flat out wins above replacement because um, he's going to probably get way more time out in the field and he's got that speed. He might 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 do it. Might outperform Jesse Winker, although we, we all still love Winker. Uh, number four, Green and Lodulo both finished top 15 in Cy Young and combined to strike out 375 batters? Uh, I'll go first on this. I believe that the uh, strikeout levels are, are definitely possible. Um, based on the number, as you mentioned before, Chris, based on the number of great pitchers in the National League, I think that both finishing in the top 15 is going to be tough, especially if Castillo comes back healthy, as he he, he may have a real legit shot at that kind of thing if he comes back and pitches like he did, particularly, uh, you know, that, that middle frame of the year last year where he was just kind of lights out. Um, so I, I'm going low on this one. I'm going to say about 8% on this one. Yeah, and my, my heart wants to say 100%. But <laughs> I think after making my uh, prediction about uh, Lodolo and, and thinking about the different uh, reasons why both of these rookies may or may not be sh shuttled back and forth uh, during the season, I mean, I, I hope that they're not, but uh, I totally can see that prospect. I'm, I'm going to put this at 15% just basically because it's a big question mark of uh, when Castillo's back, when Miner's back, uh, what what does that mean for for their use usage? So, but I would love I would love if it happened though. <laughs> I would certainly mean if they do all that that my number five bold prediction would come true, which is the Reds win the division by one game over the Brewers on the last day of the year. Yeah, I I love uh, this prediction prediction especially because of how specific. <laughs> you get with it. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll give it. Uh, I'll give it uh, twenty percent, just because uh, of how how specific it is. Obviously, I think they're going to win 
uh, the World Series. So you've got to win the division to win the World Series. Well, I guess I guess it's possible still not not to do that, but but I'm, I'm going to give it a I'll give it a twenty percent. Yeah, you get ninety percent from me, and the only reason I don't go a hundred percent is because uh, I think that the Brewers bullpen this is the year they finally melt down a little bit, uh, and because of that, I think it's going to be St. Louis that's behind us by one game. St. Louis is going to be behind us by one game, and the Brewers maybe three. So otherwise, great prediction, Chris. I love it. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that if we if we beat out St. Louis by one game, that would make me probably even happier than beating out the Brewers by one game. So <laughs> that'd probably make me happier too. <laughs> Especially last year. Last year, I, I tell you this quick story. I, I was so upset because you at the All Star break, the Reds had been catching fire. If you don't remember, like they everything was on the up and up. It seemed like things were going really well. It, you know. We were actually, uh, you know, on the, you know, making some trades for some bullpen help. It seemed like things were going to go well and, and go good. And um, I made a bet with, I never make bets. I, I make lunch bets, you know, but I, I never make like Vegas style bets. And so I, I got with a friend. We put money down on the Reds and the Bengals both to win their divisions. And if it won, it would have paid out something like $42,000. It was that we were throwing like a hundred bucks and it was like, it would pay out ridiculous. Of course, because it's a long shot. It was a long shot because of the Bengals, mind you. That's really what was pushing is the long shot. And the Reds were hot at the moment. And if you remember at the All-Star break, they came out and lost something like six of seven and completely started to sink them. And worse yet, what I was getting at was that St. Louis had that run at the end last year. Well, what? They won like 24 out of 25 games or something stupid. Like that needs to happen to us. We deserve that here in Cincinnati. Like we need that. So I'm hopeful it happens. And beating St. Louis would just be the icing on the cake uh, if we just – you know, eat them out in the division. And with that, I'm going to jump into my five bold predictions, all of which are most certainly going to happen. And the reason I didn't go 100% on Roberts uh, Votto winning the MVP of the year, uh, MVP uh, for 2022, is because, unfortunately for him, Jonathan India is going to win the MVP. In his rookie year, he had an on-base percentage uh, of 376, uh, on-base plus slugging of 835, 98 runs scored, 21 homers. That homer surge was coming, you know, as the year went on. Uh, 12 steals, war of 3.9. I think he's going to do even better this year. And when the Reds win that division, they're going to have to point to somebody on this team. And I think it's going to be him. Yeah, I, I think I should give this a zero percent chance just because of my Votto pick, but <laughs> I'm actually going to give it—I'll give it a sixty percent chance because I do believe in India. I, I believe in a few of the players on this team. Like I—I I understand uh, the discontent of uh, the general fan base, but like when I'm looking at this team, I, I see a few uh, players who could definitely rise the occasion and india is definitely up at the top of that list yeah i i will go 40 percent. i love india I, I think other than Votto, uh historically as a great player uh, india is the best player on this team uh the power speed defense combo and even though he was a first round draft pick kind of came out of nowhere to to make the team last year and then and then emerges the leadoff hitter and uh, and two, I love him in the leadoff. It's nice to have a legit leadoff hitter. That was my problem with the Dusty Baker years. Even though we were winning and, and I enjoyed it, we had a great lineup. It was like, God, if he could find any guy who couldn't hit but had speed, he'd throw him into that leadoff spot. And now we finally got a guy who can hit and has some speed. He doesn't quite have like that Drew Stubbs, Billy Hamilton, and uh, Corey Patterson speed. But he's got at least – decent speed and i'll take that um my number two prediction which is why i went really high on chris with his senzel prediction uh because mine even takes a step further and says nick senzel plays more than 140 games this year um in the three seasons just for context for everybody in his first season uh, with the reds he played 104 games then after that it was 23 games in the covid shortened year which is only which is less than half of the games and then last year was only 36 because he was having i believe those knee problems and all that kind of thing um, but I think this is the year he's going to stay healthy. We don't have uh, lots of center field options, so I see him in there most of the time when we play other than getting spells. Uh, and even when he gets a spell, I bet he comes in and pinch hits. And so uh, plays, you know, 140 games or more. That's my prediction. I will put that at a 25% chance. I know that I had him down for 130 games, 
but it's just difficult for me to imagine them not giving him some some days off just just to make sure that he stays healthy and they'll bubble wrap him up in the clubhouse and everything. Uh, you know, I, I think he was off uh, in the last game against the, the Guardians just simply for, for usage reasons, not because he ran into into fam. So uh, I like my 130-game prediction better, so I'll, I'll go 25%. Yeah, and I'll go uh, 75% just uh, counting on Bell to throw Sinzel in there for some pitch hit opportunities. So uh, if you said 140 starts, I might be lower on the percentage, but uh, I I think that uh, he'll likely make some appearances uh, late in games and games that he doesn't start. And uh, honestly, for him to hit my bold prediction of the three 2020 players, I'm going to need him showing up in that lineup <laughs> at least 140 times. Awesome. All right. The next bold prediction I have is for Hunter Green. And uh, unlike Nick Lodola, who I think may be up and down, uh, depending on, on what's going on, at least early, uh, I think Hunter Green is more likely here to stay. And because of that, I have him striking out uh, – 210 or more batters on the year. That's my bold prediction for Hunter Green. Okay. Well, I'll uh, jump in. I, I think Chris might be more bullish on this based off of his other, his bold predictions. I'm going to give this uh, 20%. Um, though uh, I would, I would love, I would love to see it. I mean, he's definitely got the, the talent. Uh, rookies are just, uh, so unpredictable uh how how they're gonna play out during an entire season and uh the more that i've thought about uh lodolo and green both uh since making my prediction uh my predictions is that uh you know with covid uh last season like like i don't know i I see i see a few things that could could possibly uh, get in in the way of this, but uh, but I would love to see it happen. My my heart for all of these bold predictions is a hundred percent. I'm going a hundred percent because it's right. If they're going to combine, if Lodolo and Green are going to combine for three seventy five, I think one of them's got to get to two hundred. It's going to be Hunter Green. He's not going to go down uh, later this year or anything. When Miner and Castillo come back, it'll probably end up being Lodolo and. Uh, San, San Martin, who goes down, uh, but I, I, I've got it. Hundred percent agree with you, Brian. It's it's going to be green, going to strike out two hundred batters. And this is a hundred percent the reason why we promoted Chris to full time on this show, so he could agree with me one hundred percent on this Hunter Green prediction. Uh, number four for me, uh, and this one I, I think is. Uh, a little different than our other predictions, which is Luis Castillo signs an extension with the Reds before the season is over. Oh my gosh, uh, Chris, you want you want to yeah, answer this one uh, first? <laughs> yeah, that uh, I, I forgot you made that prediction. That that one actually kind of took me by surprise. Um, I I guess I'll go fifty percent. I could see it going either way. Uh, you know, maybe he's going to want out after uh, some of the things have gone on, uh, just selling off players and that. But he's the ace, and you know, obviously the Reds see him as the ace too. So if he wants that that mantle, it's his, and they're going to need somebody to lead the staff. Uh, even with Green and Lodolo obviously becoming Cy Young type pitchers, they're going to need a veteran on the staff uh, who's been there, done that. And and that's Castillo. So I'll go 50% cause I could see it going either way. Uh, but I want it to happen. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the hard thing for me to put a percentage on this is that whenever I think I understand what management is trying to accomplish or what they're trying to do, they do something completely opposite of what I think the next step would be for, you know, if, if I think they're they're going one way because of a few moves they make, then I'm like, okay, well, that's cool. Like, I, I feel like they're going this certain direction. And then 
then they do something that's completely opposite of what you would do if you're going in that direction, uh, whether it's building for the future or going for right now. And uh, that's what makes it really hard for me to put a percentage on this because I don't know, <laughs> I have like no no feel for what what the plan is, if there's even like a, a, a big plan or if they're just constantly just reacting to uh, the situation or what they what they feel like at the time. <laughs> uh might be a good good move like if they watch Moneyball one day and they're like hey we're gonna make some smart <laughs> uh, moves that are like Moneyball moves and then uh a week later they, they make a move where it's like why 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 um so um i don't know i'll, I'll give it i'll give it 25 percent because of recent moves that they've made over the past couple of years but also looking at the recent moves they made in the past couple of years, realizing that it's possible that they made those moves to make this move with Castillo, um, which I would I would love to see because I feel like if you've got great starting pitching, you've always got a chance. And for the longest time as a Cincinnati Reds fan, anyone who's been a Cincinnati Reds fan for a long time, uh, knows what it feels like to not have great starting pitching. So like right now, like I, I would love to, to keep as much starting pitching as, as we can. Yep. And he's going to be the guy to sign on to be here. Uh, that's why I, I think Mally may be uh, the one we trade. And I think Castillo is the one we try to sign. Um, I, I, I That's my guess. And then finally, my my last bold prediction, which is in line with, with both of your, you know, predictions uh with the reds winning the division but here's the caveat to mine is that the reds are going to win the division on the surprising strength of the best bullpen in the national league okay i'll i'll, I'll do this one first uh i give it a 30 percent chance because i i do feel like the while the bullpen was a weakness at the beginning of last year i feel like they did clean it up some and we have so many nice young arms that uh have come up now like I, I feel like like there's there's a real chance that this this could could be true that the bullpen is one of the strengths yeah i'll i'll do 70 percent because they'll win the division uh i am not as sure about the bullpen but i like that they are running out young arms and a couple of the arms that they acquired last year versus having a bunch of reach reds out there uh, which they, has seemed to be the modus operandi for the last several seasons when you've got like Zach Duke pitching on opening day or Kevin Gregg or somebody like that. And granted, I know Hunter Strickland was out, out there, but uh, I think he's a little bit better than those guys, even though he gave up that home run. Uh, so I think there is a chance with this bullpen, especially once Antone and, and Sims come back. I think there's a chance that this bullpen could be pretty good. And I, I, I know that they struggled against the guardians, but I didn't think they pitched very poorly in Atlanta. In fact, I thought they were pretty impressive. They were the most impressive part of the staff. Agreed. And I think, I think they will continue to be, I think this revamped bullpen is going to be a big deal. I can't believe you mentioned Kevin Gregg that just bring chills to my spine. Um, I think when, when people think about Phil Castellini's quotes and uh, Nick crawls, realign the resources, you know, realign our resources, what we all think and why we're all depressed by that is because we think Kevin Gregg. And so uh, anyway, uh, with that, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back for our final segment of the day. We're coming back shortly with Chris Freeze trivia, this or that. At Bleeding Cincy Red, we love the math and analytics of baseball, but we also appreciate the poetic nature of the sport too. In fact, Robert's Poetry Collection, Solving the World's Problems, is available from Press 53 and includes poems inspired by his days living in and around Cincinnati, Ohio. Pretty cool for a five-star rated book on Amazon.com that has been called compassionate, startling, startling, and powerful. Find and purchase Solving the World's Problems today on Amazon or Press53.com. You won't regret it. And now, more Bleeding Cincy Red. All right, so it's time for a little bit of Red's trivia for you guys. Uh, this week we'll be doing this or that trivia. So I will give you 
two Reds players and one statistic. And you'll tell me who had more of that statistic between the two players in their career as a Red. So, for example, if I say who had more home runs as a Red, uh, Norris Hopper or Joey Votto, you would obviously say Norris Hopper. <laughs> uh, and with that in mind, I he, will he meant, say Robert will definitely say Norris Hopper. That's what you meant to say. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, with that in mind, I will say too that there is one trick question in here uh, where the the players have the exact same number of that statistic. So there and there's seven trivia questions here. So uh, we will get started with number one, which is who had more walks in their career as a Red, Scott Hatterberg or Shin Su Chu? I'll, I'll go first on, on the first one. Um, boy, this is a good question. I guess we got to think about it out loud. And whoever goes first, I guess, kind of helps the second person uh, for a moment. That one's tough because, well, Scott Hatterberg here was for, was here slightly longer, um, but Shin Su Chu just had one very remarkable year for the Reds and his sky high on base percentage. In fact, it's a shame that we had him uh, in 2013 instead of having him in 10 and 12. If I think if we have him in 10 and 12, um, different outcomes in the postseason. Whew. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to say that Shinsu Chu just had such a remarkable year. I'm, I'm going with him. Okay. I wanted to go with Chu, but since Brian went with him, I'm going to be contrary and say uh, Hatterberg uh, because of uh, the time. Oh, Robert has it. It is Scott Hatterberg. Uh, so he was here for technically three years, but he really only played like half of that, that last season because Joey Votto came up. Uh, but so Hatterberg in his two and a half years had 130 walks uh, to just 83 strikeouts. Uh, but Chu in his one year as a red had 112 walks. That was pretty close. It was. Yeah, pretty yeah, close. Was... I remember I, I loved having Votto and Chu start off games. Like it, it was awesome. Unreal. Yeah. 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 That was fun. And, uh, and I figured Robert was going to go Hatterberg only because he already made the money ball reference. Uh, so that had to be his guy. <laughs> Yeah, that, that was what uh, why I came up with that question was because there were Moneyball references uh, in that. Um, I can't remember if it was the first Reds broadcast. Yeah, I think it was the first Reds broadcast, so Friday night in Atlanta, uh, where they we were talking about Moneyball and how Nick Crawl was a, uh, a bat boy on that team at one point. Um, so number two, who had the higher OPS in their career as Ed? Scott Rowland? Or Edwin Encarnacion. Ooh. Um, I'll, I'll take this one first. And I'm just not going to think about it too much. I'm just going to say, say Roland, uh, just because I am. <laughs> <laughs> Robert couldn't be more wrong. <laughs> Scott Roland had a rough go toward that very end of his Reds career, and it dropped him down. So it, it certainly must have been Edwin Encarnacion, even though he never came to full potential here. And it was extremely, I was happy for him, but extremely painful to watch him go on and be a monster for Toronto uh, and some other teams. Uh, I'm going, uh, Mr. Edwin. All right. So Edwin was here for a little over four years and Roland was here for about four years. So he missed a ton of time. So Edwin had far more played appearances. Uh, Edwin is the winner. He had a 793 OPS. Uh, Roland had a 771 OPS, although he, his first year, uh, first full year with the Reds when they won the division in 2010, his was 854. So really solid. But of course they acquired Roland for more than just the, the offense. So Roland only had uh, one season where he ever committed double digit errors with the Reds. And Edwin had two seasons where he committed 23 and 25 errors. <laughs> so, <laughs> so rough. <laughs> If he's listening, we still love you, Edwin. We still love you. Uh, <laughs> number three, who has scored more runs, Johnny Bench or Joey Votto? Whew. Um, this is an excellent question uh, between Votto and Bench. I really think that 
even though Vado's uh, on-base percentage was really high, I think the big red machine was just that, a machine uh, scoring runs, and so uh, almost nonstop. So I'm going, I'm going, good old number five, Johnny Bench. Yeah, I'm so tempted to agree with Brian. Uh, and for the, the same reasons, but uh, let me just give myself a second to see if I can pull the trigger on Votto. Um, now nah, I'm going to, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with bench uh, as much as uh, Votto gets on base. Uh, bench was part of uh, an offensive juggernaut. Votto has scored more runs. Uh, he has 1,117 runs scored in 16 seasons, with this being his 16th. And then Bench in 17 seasons scored 1,091. So pretty close. Then like 25, 26 runs there. So, but yeah, it is Joey Votto. And sticking on that track with the future Hall of Famer uh, Votto, uh, who had the who has the higher on base percentage as a Red, Joey Votto or Joe Morgan? Ooh. <laughs> This Robert's turn to go first. I can't remember already. Yeah, I uh, I'm going to go with Joe, though I won't be surprised if it's Votto. <laughs> it <laughs> took me a second when you said Joe because I was like, I think both their names are Joe. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Oh my gosh. Yeah, Morgan, great answer. Be, I'm gonna go with Joe. <laughs> uh, actually, you know what? Actually. Uh, uh, with the the trick question, I'll I'll go ahead and call this the the trick question where they where they're tied. And I might be I might be wrong on that, but but that's what what I'll go with. And I'm going with Joey Votto, even even despite the past couple of years. Uh, and I think Joe Morgan is arguably the greatest second baseman in the history of baseball. Um, I'm going I'm going Joey Votto. If we looked at this question like a week or two, it could be totally different, the answer. But it's currently Votto at 416 and Morgan at 415. Ooh. Wow. <laughs> that was a tough one. A good one, though. All right. Now on to pitching. Who had more saves in their careers at Red, Aroldis Chapman or Francisco Cordero? Yikes. Uh, let's see. Yeah, good old Coco Cordero always had us on this on the edge of our seats every time he went out there. If I'm not mistaken, up until like Mustakas Castellanos, he was the biggest free agent acquisition uh, or contract that the Reds had ever signed, um, which is concerning. Uh, but <laughs> well, for uh, him, I believe it was Eric Milton. Oh God, boy, talk about a disaster. <laughs> Uh, so, so Robert used, used up his, the, they're the same answer. This is the one I'm going to use. They had the equal amount of saves. Yeah. And I, I could totally see that being the case, uh, as, as soon as, uh, this one came out, I, I, I can totally see that being the case, but I'll, I'll go ahead and, uh, I'll, I'll go with, uh, Cordero totally expecting Brian to be right that, uh, that they are tied. Uh, it is Cordero with 150 saves and Chapman with 146. Cordero was here four years and Chapman was here six years. And, you know, yeah, he was a reliever, just relieving before he was the, the closer, too. So, Darn. Who, who were he, you more excited about being on the mound? I think it was Chapman. <laughs> but Cordero, <laughs> Cordero still pulled off those saves. <laughs> yeah, it was really exciting. I, I loved every time that Chapman came in. I mean, it was fun. Uh, at the ballpark, especially um, when they would play the music and he would come in and then throw 104 miles an hour. Um, and it was disappointing that we traded him away for basically nothing. Um, that, that, that's that been part of the frustrating Reds way as well. So anyway, I digress. Uh, you know, good question. What do we got next? Uh, number six, who had more wins in their career as a Red? Uh, Tom Seaver or Aaron Harang? I'll say uh, Aaron Harang. Yeah, I'm going to – this one I don't really know. I always really liked Aaron Harang. I, I felt he was very underrated for like that four-year period until they threw him in those extra innings and he could no longer pitch, it seemed like, after that, at least for us. Uh, but but I'll, I'll go Tom Seaver. Um, he's so good that I, – I know he pitched really well when he was here. 
Uh, this is the trick question. They both have 75 wins. Uh, need Aaron Harang to come out of retirement. <laughs> Get one more, actually. Although, <laughs> so, so, so that means Harang is is the same as Tom Seaver, right? <laughs> <laughs> Although, granted, Harang pitched here for eight years and Seaver only six, and Harang also had 80 losses and Seaver only had 46. So uh, st- still a little bit of a better pitcher, but, you know, Harang – could hang him with the best here with the Reds. He, he was a good pitcher. All right, last one. Uh, who had more strikeouts in their career as a Red, Johnny Cueto or Bronson Arroyo? Ah, well, this seems like it should be the obvious Johnny Cueto as a strikeout machine. That said, as my friends here in Cincinnati know, I am a huge, huge, huge Bronson Arroyo fan. I feel he's very underrated, not only not – only could he get people out with that great 79 mile per hour heat? Uh, he also a uh, brilliant musician. Uh, I have his CD, I think, thanks to Mr. Robert Brewer. Um, and I listen to it regularly uh, as a big fan. Uh, so with, with that, I'm going Bronson Wright. Yeah, and I, I'm going to go Quato, uh, though I agree that Bronson Arroyo is like one of those players where you look at their statistics uh and think lesser of them than what they really like showed up like because arroyo would have you know like eight quality starts in a row and then have like a one inning game where he just gets clobbered for like 10 runs and uh it jack it would jack up his statistics but uh but you knew like eight out of nine games, like he's going to have as a quality start that, that you want. But uh, as far as strikeouts, I'm going Cueto. Uh, love Cueto. Love, love both of them, but uh, going Cueto. Uh, it is Bronson Arroyo with 1,157 and Cueto with 1,115. Uh, Bronson was here for nine years, Cueto for eight. So they were in that one year with Bronson was just like, you know, what, a, a couple months a few years ago when he, he hadn't pitched in like three years. So I think it was pretty, pretty even in terms of when you look at like the, the number of years and that they were here, although not uh, even in terms of like innings pitched because of, you know, Cueto being a younger guy when he came up and uh, he ended up with far higher uh, strikeouts per nine innings uh, because he uh, pitched less innings than, than Arroyo did over the course of his career. Um, so wh- I, I believe Actually, I wasn't paying attention, but I just completely assumed that I won because, you know, I, I plan to win these things all the time. I don't know, Chris, were you keeping track? I was half keeping track, but I do believe Brian won by one. <laughs> First time we come back after a couple year layoff and I finally pull one out. I think Robert usually, uh, I think he had a Cal Ripken like winning streak on these trivia things against me. So uh, I'm happy to pull this one out. And, uh, and it's, it was a nice way to really round out this podcast. Uh, it's been exciting that we've, we're coming back. Uh, for all the listeners at home, thank you all for listening. Uh, it, it's truly been a pleasure. We plan, we plan to uh, come out with these once every two weeks throughout the 2022 season. Um, so, you know, come back pay attention in two weeks we should have a uh a wonderful uh wonderful year uh no matter what the reds do and uh you know i am excited for we're thrilled that uh robert lee brewer is back chris freeze has joined us and uh from your other host brian clems thank you all for uh being here with us and of course i'd like to thank our all-time favorite red barry larkin for listening because i'm sure he's tuned in somewhere anyway go reds (laughs) 